Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. What's one important lesson that you have learned so far over the course of your marketing career? You need to write. Like to write is to think. And you learn how to clarify your ideas and your thoughts and you learn how to communicate by writing. And then by you going through the process of clarifying, working through it, crunching it until you can communicate it clearly. And using something like ChatGPT to to help clarify your thoughts, there's value to that. And I think doing it some so that you can even see how to do that is is helpful, mm-hmm. especially when you get stuck. But there's something to staring at a blank page until you get an idea, writing and getting a stream of consciousness, editing that down, clarifying it until you can take a page and turn it into a sentence. Uh, if you just outsource that, you're losing the value of learning how to how to think and how to process these ideas. So write. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Tales Show. Today, my guest is Joseph Levin. Is it this how you pronounce it, Levin? Joseph Lewin, yeah, close. Lewin. <laughs> Joseph Lewin, welcome to the Marketing Tales Show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be possible without guests like you, so I really appreciate you being on the show. And this is a show about marketers and their journey and what they do um, to help their customers succeed in the marketplace. So you've been in marketing for about a decade now. What made you want to get into marketing and what do you love about marketing? You're making me feel old. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have kind of had a uh, a very untraditional journey to get into marketing, um, not to rehash my whole career journey. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that, but uh, I used to to be in more of construction type, you know, a lot of manual labor work. And, um, and I swept chimneys for five years. So I was uh, getting home black from head to toe. So part of the reason I got into marketing was because I hated <laughs> manual labor work and I needed to figure something else out and kind of fell into marketing because my wife and I run, my wife started an organization in Kenya and um, we needed photos and videos for the project there. And we were living there for a little bit. And um, I'd always done photography and been interested in photography. Um, And then when we uh, were working on this project, I needed to get video too. So I I talked with some local friends that did video and they taught me a little bit and I got some equipment and started doing video. Uh, And then, you know, little over little, I, I got a portfolio, started a business doing uh, content for small businesses and then you know just kind of transitioned over time into where I'm at now good good on you man I, I had a similar journey I worked construction my first job was pouring concrete for four years man it was brutal work and I knew that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life because I saw the effects on the body um that this kind of work has so I made a I made a transition as well um you know it took me a long time to get to this point but here we are um marketers with a similar background in in construction. So um, really appreciate you sharing that and, you know, your determination to 
evolve and figuring something out that you wanted to do with your life. Um, so, you know, you worked your way through the ranks and now you're currently the director of growth at Proofpoint Marketing. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about Proofpoint Marketing and your role as director of growth? Yeah, so at Proofpoint, we work with uh, B2B professional services companies to typically end up being the best, but uh, B2B companies that have technical uh, services and they have long, complex sales. You know, those are typically the types of companies that we work with. Um, usually they are companies that have been very sales heavy and they've grown through referrals and through relationships and they get to the point where they're ready to scale. And so they go, hey, we need to bring in marketing. Um, and that tends to be the best kind of client for us because we help them create marketing programs that build relationships at scale to essentially help them do what they've always done, which is building great relationships. Um, only we do, we help them do that online through their di you know digital marketing content um, and then tie together uh, the marketing content to their sales team and help their sales team uh, create, be part of creating the content and activate on, on LinkedIn uh, typically and uh, yeah, bring those to, bring deals to a close. Um, and what I'm doing as director of growth is building out our sales and marketing for Proofpoint. So um, we're running a show that we're actually kicking off the week that we, we're, the week that we're recording this called Relationship Led Growth Live. And we're talking about why relationships are really the foundation for B2B marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, you know, essentially my job is to meet people, build relationships that need what we do and uh, help them create marketing and sales strategies that grow their business. Awesome. Yeah, it's all about relationships. It's a recurring theme here on this show. When I ask people about one of the most important things to consider as a marketer, it's networking and building relationships um, with other marketers and your potential customers. Is there a specific industry vertical that um, Proofpoint Marketing is focused on? So we haven't really niched down on an industry vertical. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the companies we work with, I, I would say that the indicator across the board is for one, they value relationships. Okay. And so they're typically companies that they really understand that and they don't want to lose that as they scale. So the very transactional lead generation focused marketing doesn't really resonate with them because they, they've always been relationally focused. But then the other piece of it is it's usually when their people are their product, like they are consultants. It's not true across the board for all of our customers, but there's usually a very heavy consulting piece where, you know, they need people on their team to have built rapport and be seen as a trusted advisor. So mm -hmm. even if they're selling a physical product, um, it usually they're usually selling that because the person who's selling it really knows their stuff and people trust them to come in and uh, and give them advice and you know help them um, almost more as a consultative sale. Yeah, yeah, definitely the trust trust factor there, especially with the bigger ticket items. Um, you know, people just don't buy it off the shelf. There, there needs to be some sort of a relationship that's built there over time. Um, in the past, you had your feet and dabbled with demand generation marketing as well. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about that in this episode, because I hear a lot about 
uh, demand generation lately um, mm -hmm. on LinkedIn and online. So demand generation marketing, right? It's a multi-step process that aims to nurture key customer relationships for the long term. So here we are again about relationship building. Um, can you share a little bit about the strategy for aligning the sales and the marketing teams, which some companies have those siloed um, in your organizations? And what challenges have you faced in this area and how have you overcome those challenges? Yeah, so when it comes to demand generation, I think a lot of people have different opinions about what that actually means. <laughs> but when we're running demand generation campaigns, it's it's typically content that is created from the brain of subject matter experts on the team of people that we work with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of companies don't want to do it is because it requires effort from from their team. So I usually say, look, you're going to, if you work with us, we're not going to save you time. We're just going to multiply the value that you're getting from the time you're spending. So we, we have, we're not going to come in and be able to make up content. That's going to resonate with your audience. Your team has to participate in creating that content. Like your team needs to be on video. They need to be, they don't necessarily need to write, but they need to be the, the information needs to be coming in from their head. And so great demand generation content is, you know, essentially mind melding the the, uh, the subject matter experts on the team of our clients, pulling that information out, whether that be through a podcast or webinars or, um, you know, social media content, video, whatever the, the medium is, it's really getting uh, information that nobody else is sharing about, mm -hmm. putting that point of view online. So that people go, hey, I've never thought about it like that before. That's interesting. I'd like to talk to these guys. Or that that's how I think, but nobody's talking about it like that. I need to, I need to talk to these guys. So it's essentially uh, creating content that makes people go, hey, I want to work with you. Um, and you asked the question about sales, but I'll, I'll uh, I can get into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um and it's good to find that connection piece, right? Because um, different people, depending on their backgrounds, like our backgrounds in construction, you may have a different angle, you approach it, right? And you look at a certain topic, um, any given topic, really, that somebody who has always worked in white collar may not see it that way. So, and that's also depending on what company you're um, targeting, right? Everybody has different uh, people with different perspectives and different backgrounds. So, having a diverse uh, team with diverse um, insights is really valuable to hit as many points and as many target audiences as you possibly can. Um, and you you touched on like video, social media, um, written content. So let's talk about more about the strategy. Um, so a comprehensive demand generation strategy also focuses on thought leadership, right? It's a big deal right here. And education, um, educating potential customers to aim of building a positive positive brand perception. Um, you know, a lot of people they go to industry conferences, they they talk on stage. What mm -hmm. strategies do you use at um, Proofpoint Marketing? I mean, our main drivers are usually podcasts or live, uh, you know, live events. Not in person events. Not uh, we're not opposed to that, and there's definitely value in in person events, especially mm -hmm. if you're speaking. There's there's a lot of value in doing that. Um, but we find that podcasts and and live you know webinar type events mm -hmm. are very scalable, and you know they help you build 
relationships because you're getting the value but in an interview style podcast like this you having me on you're getting value in a couple ways you're growing an audience you're sharing my point of view with your audience and so you're educating them you get to share your point of view at different points in the show and people get to know you and then you're gaining credibility by me being on your show and I'm gaining credibility by you asking me to be on the show. So it's a win-win all the way around. Um, but then, you know, maybe at some point there's somebody I know that would be a great fit for what you do. Yep. Um, and, and then I make an introduction or maybe you have somebody on your show that ends up becoming a customer of yours. So you're getting the direct relationship value, but you're also getting the demand gen side of it where you're sharing that point of view and you're becoming seen as an industry uh, influencer, you know, somebody who... And an influencer, you know, we're not talking about like Kim Kardashian, you know, it's sure. being seen as somebody that people want to know and they want to, they want to talk to. And uh, I mean, I was at an event last night, a LinkedIn local event, and I had people that, um, that wanted to talk to me, you know, and they're coming up to me and they're like, Hey, I saw you here last year. It was great. And they're picking my brain and it, uh, you know, it's leading to a couple conversations from that, you know, ongoing conversations with potential customers um, from doing that. So uh, demand gen is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think one other piece though, that kind of ties it into more of the sales side of things and where I feel like the hardcore demand gen people go wrong is if a sales team is required mm -hmm. and unless you're selling like $99 products, you probably need somebody who's going to have sales conversations with people if you're just passively waiting for people to talk to you, it's a huge miss uh, because really in demand gen, I think the best kind is uh, of demand gen is when you help people understand the problem that they're experiencing in a new way and show them that there's a different kind of solution than they've ever thought of. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, you're active through everything you're doing. You're moving them slowly, usually sometimes quickly, mostly slowly from, hey, this is the established way of doing it. If I'm going to solve this problem, whatever it would be, you know, if, I, if I'm going to solve marketing problem, lead gen is the way to do it. You know, maybe somebody's thinking that. Well, when they come across my content over time, maybe I'm slowly moving them towards, hey, maybe there's a different way of doing it. Relate, you know, building relationships and having your marketing focus on relationships is more valuable. Um, but then there's this piece where if you're waiting for them to come to you, they're going to miss really important parts of defining their problem that make it hard for you to actually close that sale. So then what we're focused on is how do we create a middle ground kind of content that the sales team is creating that positions them as being somebody that uh, their customers want to talk to as a trusted advisor. And it makes it really easy for the salesperson to reach out and have a conversation. So instead of waiting for them to come in and fill out a form and then uh, you know getting on a sales call, maybe as a salesperson, somebody attends an, an event of ours, they comment and they say, hey, this is really insightful. I can reach out to them and not trying to pitch them, but just saying, hey, thanks for coming to the event. I'd love to chat with you and talk marketing. You know, And then we get on a call, chat about marketing. Some of those people won't be a good fit, but it's great to have a relationship with them. Maybe they will be down the road. And then some of those people are going to go, well, actually, you know, this is what we're trying to do. Do you think what you guys would do is a good fit? Um, so anyway, the, to kind of put a bow on that, the idea is you need something after your demand gen content that makes it easy for your sales team to engage people in conversations and relationship building. And if you don't do that, uh, I think you're really missing 
that is that is so true it's all 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 focused these days on bringing value to the customers like we did with here with this podcast or i'm currently running a webinar series for our company and if i bring valuable insights to those in our industry they're more willing to op- even open my email that that they're getting from me right i mean i'm getting pitched I, I get like 10 pitch emails every day and all i do is hit delete because i'm like first of all i don't know you second of all i don't want to know if i want to i don't know if i need your product because but because i don't have a relationship with you i don't really have the time to read your email so if if joseph sends me an email i'm going to look at your email because we build a relationship through this podcast and and yep. before through our intro call and then on LinkedIn, because I constantly see you. So I, you build trust with me. And when I see your name pop up in my inbox, I'm like, hey, this is Joseph, right? I'm friendly with Joseph. I really want to see what he has to say. And instead of somebody, you know, John Doe out of the blue, I'm like, even if you give me a compliment, it means nothing to me because you don't know me and you didn't take the time to build that trust with me. So I'm moving on. But like I said, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, and that's how I got connected with you through my previous guest, uh, Dan Sanchez, who introduced me to you. And that's how you ended up on this show. This was the referral right there. Yep. Uh, but since you're pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, do you feel that today's modern marketer should embrace the creator economy and start building a personal brand on LinkedIn or Twitter to build trust with potential clients? 100%. <laughs> I, think you're, I think it's totally silly not to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I understand not everybody's extroverted, but honestly, I'm not really an extroverted person. Like if I go to a group events, I I like finding one person and talking with them. I don't feel comfortable in, you know, big, big group settings unless I'm like, if I'm presenting or something, that's fine. But um, I don't know what to do with myself. I feel kind of awkward. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not the like crazy extroverted person, but if you want to move forward in your career, you have to be doing something beyond just what people inside of your company can see. Mm-hmm. And it brings value to you as an individual. It brings value to your company. Um, and I mean, I've gotten clients for companies that I've worked for from my podcast mm-hmm. and gotten discovery calls with people that um, for, for different companies that I've worked for totally by accident. And um, I found a lot of vendors and and contractors and stuff that we work with through uh, and and actually, I have uh, there's two people on my team that originally ran across us for my personal brand. Mm. Um, and I mean, finally, I have my current role because I was active on LinkedIn. I saw my one of my bosses, Gabby. Uh, I was seeing her content consistently, and then her husband, Mike. I saw him starting to show up in my feed, and he commented on somebody's post and. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So I invited him to come on my podcast. And so two personal branding things, the podcast and LinkedIn. Um, and then he ended up saying, hey, I have this role that hasn't gone live yet, but I think you'd be a really good fit. And um, yeah, the rest is history. And yeah, I mean, it was a big pay increase for me, like definitely huge growth opportunity. And it came from building a personal brand. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've been told as well that you you build those connections and you don't even have to worry about <clears throat> submitting an application anymore you know the jobs come to you if you continue to build um your network with the right people and like bring them on your show like a podcast and you've touched on your podcast and i know that you you are the host of the <clears throat> strategic marketer podcast is this still going on and 
what are some of the benefits besides getting a job through it for marketers to start in a podcast? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of things. I, I've been a little bit behind on it, so I'm planning to kick it off again here shortly. Um, just the role I was in was getting to be super busy, but then in my new role, uh, part of my job is developing my personal brand because it helps <laughs> with all the things we talked about, you know, as I'm uh, talking with people who need what we do way easier if they've commented on a post of mine or I have them on my show or, you know, whatever the case would be. Um, but benefits to on a personal level to doing a podcast, I mean, relationships are really are everything in that. I didn't really understand that a couple of years ago, but um, the, the pick any kind of marketing. So you do SEO. If you're going to be really successful at SEO, you need really good content. You need to be able to, to quote people who are experts. You need backlinks. Do you know how you get all that stuff? Having relationships and building rapport with people who are in a similar space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you're in demand gen, same thing, you know, you need to find subject matter experts, both internally and being able to develop those relationships for your internal team, but also finding people externally who people respect and, you know, uh, having them on a show or a podcast or whatever. And how do you build those relationships? A podcast is the easiest way to do that mm-hmm. because instead of me reaching out to people and saying, Hey, I'd love to grab a virtual coffee. And they've never seen me before. Chances of that happening are basically zero. Whereas yeah. if you reach out cold and you say, Hey, I just saw your post on LinkedIn about XYZ, or I heard you on this other podcast, or, you know, I took your program, uh, read your book, whatever the case would be, I'd love to have you on my show and talk about it. You'll get people who would never sit down and have a conversation with you for coffee that will be come on your show. And then once they do, they're way more willing to have further conversation with you after that. A hundred percent. I totally agree. And that's a good approach um, for me to get more guests. I should be more in the comments um, on LinkedIn um, and just get guests that way. Uh, because you give the the value to them, you know, they get something great out of it. They get a show and some more exposure. Um, now let's talk about real quick about nurturing your leads, right? So once you had them on your podcast or they were at a webinar, uh, how do you, what, what what's your approach to get them through the customer journey? Do you have any tips or best practices you can share? Like after you follow up, like let's say you have a webinar and then you send them a copy of the recording. What's the next step? Yeah, so I'm, I think, to me, it's how do we add value to people? So instead of cold emailing somebody and then saying, hey, just bumping this back to the top of your feed, you know, whatever. It's like, how do you how do you build actual relationship in a way that's valuable? I mean, something we're really highlighting with some some customers that's been starting to work and that we're we're about to launch internally too mm-hmm. is something we call a conversation magnet. And um it's it is a lead magnet, but just with a, a slight nuance to it that I think makes it much more valuable. So uh, instead of it being an ebook or a guide or something like that, that's not, um, there's not really a good reason to follow up other than to say, hey, what did you think? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> first of all, they probably didn't actually consume it. <laughs> and, and secondly, um, they, uh, what are they supposed to say? Oh, it was good. You know, you, um, you're, you're, it's like asking a yes or no question mm-hmm. to somebody. You're just not going to get the same level of information. Whereas mm-hmm. if you create your conversation magnet 
to be focused on something that um, your team has expertise in that adds a ton of value to the person on the other side. And it's something that they would use in their daily work mm -hmm. and makes their job easier. Um, so that could be something like a calculator. And I'm not talking about an ROI calculator. Sure. We're talking about something like, um, you know, in, in the engineering space, there might be some technical thing that people need to calculate to figure out the load of whatever XYZ thing. And uh, I'm not an engineer, so <laughs> I, won't, I won't make myself look any dumber by trying to talk like an engineer. But, you know, they you could have a calculator that helps them do that automatically or and it could just be an excel sp spreadsheet where they put the information in um it could be a uh i mean one thing that, that we're working on is a uh question set to help you uh with your sales team to get them to create content so it's basically like a content guide that's based on questions that you ask your sales team they record a video and send it back mm -hmm. um so it's something that, that they actually have to activate on. And the reason that's important is uh, we have a webinar. The follow-up is we have this download for you. You know, you could reach out or we could have a link, whatever, whatever way you do that. Mm -hmm. Anybody that fills that out, there's a really good reason for you to reach out to them. It's not, hey, pop into the top of your inbox. Not What do you think? You're saying, hey, I'd love to take a look at that guide with you and give you some pointers. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea because I was always thinking about what am I going to do with the uh, webinar recording that I have. So last week I had a webinar and I emailed it to the, the prospects because I have their email list. Um, so would you, I mean, I don't know if I should make it like gated content again because I already have their email address, right? So I don't want to send them the, would you send them the webinar recording and make them fill out a form again? Or how would you do that? How would you go about that? I mean, it's not a, so the only reason I would have somebody fill out a form is if I'm trying, like, I'll say one more piece on this that clarifies it a little bit. It makes it easier if somebody raises their hand mm -hmm. and, and you want whatever that document is to be something that, you know, it's everything I said, it's useful, something they actually activate on. But the final piece is it gives you a clue mm -hmm. that they haven't, they have a need for what you do. Mm -hmm. so yeah. you know if it's a a yeah that they have a need for what you do so the point is them filling out a form to download something like that they're saying i am actively trying to solve this problem that you solve yeah then when you reach out to them on a call um to say hey you know i'd, I'd like to talk to, whatever would you need help with this they get on with you, you talk through it, you give them some pointers. At the end of that call, how do you turn that into a sales conversation just as versus like a value add conversation? You just ask one simple question at the end. Would you like any more help with that? And if they say yes, it's a sales conversation now. If they say no, awesome. I'd love to learn about how it goes. If you need any other help, feel free to, to ping me. I'd be happy to help. Yeah. Now you've built rapport, you've built relationship, you've added value, and you've set yourself up to be able to really easily have a sales conversation without mm -hmm. hard pitching them without, you know, getting crazy with it. And if they say yes, it, it needs to lead it. You know, you need to craft something that really easily leads into a sales conversation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you never want to put the pressure on, you know, that's one way to get for them to just, uh, you know, um, retreat and not want to go any further with you. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk about 
say something somebody's on a call here um just starting out in marketing <clears throat> what's one important lesson that you have learned so far over the course of your marketing career that you could share with with the audience okay so there's three things that i would say um one is going to be new and then two kind of rehashing something that we've already said but i want to reemphasize it uh, the first thing is you need to write and i think my biggest concern with chat gpt is that uh, it's not at a point where it's going to replace great writers, not even close, but it does repla replace entry-level writing basically instantly. So but the problem with that is it de-incentivizes new marketers from learning how to write. Mm -hmm. And when you, like to write is to think, and you learn how to clarify your ideas and your thoughts, and you learn how to communicate by writing and then by you going through the process of clarifying, working through it, crunching it until you can communicate it clearly and using something like chat GPT to, to help clarify your thoughts, there's value to that. And I think doing it some so that you could even see how to do that is, is helpful, mm -hmm. or especially when you get stuck, but there's something to staring at a blank page until you get an idea, writing and getting a stream of consciousness, editing that down, clarifying it until you can take a page and turn it into a sentence. Uh, if you just outsource that, you're losing the value of learning how to how to think and how to process these ideas. So write, have a daily practice of writing. I, you know, I, um, it could be journaling, it could be writing a blog, it could be writing an email newsletter, whatever it is, you actually do the writing. You're gonna suck at first. Maybe ChatGPT could be do it better than you. But if you really pursue writing, you're going to grow. And then it leads into the other two things, which would be get active on LinkedIn. And so if you want to do daily writing, write a post for LinkedIn every single day. And if you don't know what to write about, ask a question about something that you want to know. And you're going to get other people who are going to get in and they're going to have an opinion about it and they're going to comment on your on your stuff. And if they don't, then send it in a send a link to it to people that you do care about their opinion and say, Hey, I'm trying to get my stuff started on LinkedIn. I'd love your thoughts on this topic. And you're going to get people who are going to start engaging with it. You're going to build relationships through that. And the final thing is start a podcast. You don't have to be an expert to start a podcast. All you have to be able to do is ask people questions. You could start a podcast on something you have zero expertise in. You just have to get good at asking people the right kinds of questions. And as long as you ask good questions, the podcast will be interesting. Yes. I agree. I totally agree. I started this podcast at the beginning of the year and it was solely out of necessity because I wanted to learn more about marketing. So I figured instead of having a coffee talk with somebody, let's have them on a podcast, but it wasn't even a podcast. It was more like a one-on-one -on -one conversation on Zoom and I recorded it just so I could refer back to it. And, and then I had that content and I thought to myself, well, I already have the content. I already write about my conversation with that person. Why not make it a podcast? And then post about it on LinkedIn. And that's how my podcast came about the marketing tales show, which was never be a podcast. You know, it was just a one-on-one a -on -one conversation, which just I didn't even call it a podcast at the beginning because I didn't want to label it as such. Um, but then it just became that. And um here we are at episode 22. Uh every week since the beginning of the year, I published one of those. So it's been a good ride so far. And I look forward to making more connections. Um, well, the biggest thing, and I, I won't go on on it because I know we're kind of getting over time here, but the, the key is don't, if you're new at marketing, 
don't think of a podcast as you being able to become influential and sharing your perspective. Look at it as a way from what you just said is brilliant. You get a chance to reach out to people that are way smarter than you, who would not take the time to sit down and have a conversation with you one-on-one, -on -one, but you'll get to ask some questions they probably wouldn't even answer in a one-on-one -on -one question, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation on a podcast because it makes them look smart. And the smarter you make them look, the more they'll appreciate you and want to help you in your career. And the easier it will be to get other guests in the future, because if you're really good at making people look good, other people are going to want to come on your show and you make them look good as well. Uh, and you're going to get way better job opportunities and uh, just move forward in your career much, much faster by doing that. Yes, that's such a good point, man, because I, um, so I have a public relations degree. So that's kind of what I learned to make people look good. Companies look good. And um, some of my guests at the beginning of the, of the, of this marketing tales show experience, they were um, classmates of mine, right? And they were like, uh, I just got out of college. I'm not an expert. I said, everybody has a story. Just tell your story. It's going to be fine. And then I write it up and they were like, oh my gosh, man, you make me sound like I'm such an expert. And it's like, you are an expert in a particular topic. You know, you have a particular point of view nobody else thinks about. And you have a story and where, how you got to that point where you are today. So in my opinion, you are an expert in your <clears throat> uh, universe, you know, in your sphere. And other people should know about it because there may be somebody out there who can resonate with that. And I always say, don't write it for the masses to go viral. <clears throat> write it for the one person who needs to hear it on that particular day. And if you affected somebody positively and changed somebody's life, then this half an hour talk was worthwhile. Um, going into the, one of our, my last questions here real quick, <clears throat> further education. So are there two books or podcasts you could recommend anybody should listen to if they want to rise in their marketing career? It's a great question. I mean, a book, my, my top book recommendation just across the board is never split the difference by Chris Voss. It's about negotiating. Mm -hmm. Um, but really it's about understanding people and learning how to pull information out of people. Uh, and I, I mean, that could sound negative, but it's really just learning how to have good conversations and ask good questions and get people to open up. Mm -hmm. um, it's an amazing book. The The tactics that he has in there are great. And it's a written by a guy who's a former uh, head hostage negotiation for that head hostage negotiator for the FBI. So his stories in there are super interesting and uh, you know it's full of terrorists and all kinds of you know bomb threats and stuff so super entertaining book but the strategies are are on point uh, and I use those tools when I'm doing customer interviews I'm doing stakeholder interviews I use it for my podcast I use it in sales conversations uh, I mean that pretty I mean I use it in conversations with having hard conversations with people in my personal life it's incredibly valuable book um Another book would be uh, Writing Without Bullshit by Josh Bernhoff, I think is his name. Uh, it, it's a really, yeah, really great book. Um, Final thing, podcast, I would say listen to the Dave Ramsey show. Yeah. He's a financial guy and whether you agree with him or not, he's an incredible marketer. Um, just how, if you listen to his show enough, you'll start to hear patterns of how he's using very consistent language. He tells the same stories over and over again, um, but does it extremely well and consistently. Um, he has a different frameworks that he 
he talks about and uses. So if you listen to him long enough, you start understanding the program and how it works. He's really good at using uh, emotion, you know, getting people to feel emotional. He's great at storytelling. I mean, he's just one of the best marketers of all, of all time. So if you listen to Dave Ramsey's show, you'll you'll learn a lot about marketing without it, it, be, it being just like straightforward marketing yeah, talk. He's good. I listen to him as well. And I listen to his counterpart, Ken Coleman, the Ken Coleman show. I listen to it. Oh, yeah. I like his show. I, I have it on YouTube. I'll subscribe to it. So it always pops up. So I listen to him. Um, real quick, before we end the show, you earlier touched on it a little bit. Um, Waweza movement. Waweza. What, what's that? Can you tell me? Yeah, Waweza. Waweza. Um, yeah, so my wife, when she was 19, was spending some time in Kenya. Her her parents had done uh, a bunch of clean water well projects and stuff like that there before. And um, she was 19. She was in Kenya and saw the little kids that were the same age as her little sister that were living on the street. And she was like, man, somebody's got to do something about this. So uh, she's awesome. <laughs> and somebody who, when she gets a, get, feels like something needs to be done, she takes action on it. So she started nursing school and raised a bunch of money and uh, built a, a uh, rescue center there for kids. So since 2011, we've been uh, running a, a rescue center where we have kids that have been in really vulnerable situations um, that come to live there for um, some of them full-time, some of them for a period of time and uh, do job job training. We've actually just gotten to the point where some of our older kids have transitioned into the workforce and have gotten job training and are now working and making a living for themselves, which is what we've been working for towards for the last yeah, 12 years of running it. So it's really exciting to see some of these kids really start to uh, go from being in total poverty, living on the street or close to it, to um, being able to make it on their own. It's really a lot of fun to be part of it. That is a beautiful story, man. Bless you guys for that, for sure. Um, as we end the episode, how can people get in touch with you and how can they get involved with your movement if they want to help? Um, yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. That's definitely the best place. Feel free to reach out to me, ping me if you want to talk about marketing um, and the Strategic Marketer Podcast. You could uh, check that out, look it up. And then uh, as far as Waweza Movement, um, it's spelled W-A-W-E-Z-A. -E uh, and the website is wawezamovement.org. And you can check that out. Awesome, man. Thanks, Joseph. I really appreciate you being on the show today and sharing your insights with the audience. Absolutely. All right. Take care, my friend.